Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer. And welcome to Thriving at Work, a Worker Being podcast. You can learn more about us on our website, workerbeing.com. You can join our listserv. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com or follow along on social. So today we're going to be talking about virtual meeting fatigue. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a good one. I really like this article. But before we dive in, I want to ask you just to describe how you feel after a long day of virtual meetings. Oh, I, I feel very, I can tell you right away. I feel very <laughs> tired, but also I feel um, very scattered. Like I can't focus on what's happening on the screen. Like I need to be, I have trouble staring into the screen for that long. I need something else for my like eyes to be doing or my, like, I feel I get tired of being in the meetings and then I try to multitask a lot. That is really interesting. It definitely aligns with what I'm going to talk about in the research. Mm. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> uh, but I would say the same. Like I, if I have a lot of virtual meetings, especially ones where I'm not super engaged, I feel like mm-hmm. my brain just melts. I feel like I just don't, it just doesn't work anymore. And I actually, this is like a, such a random thing in my big secret that I'm going to tell everybody. Um, I had like a bunch of weeks with really long meetings and I was really struggling. I was like, I, yeah, I'm not retaining anything. I was struggling a lot because it was just too much, too many meetings, too mm-hmm. long. It was, a, it was a lot. Um, and then one day I was like, you know what? I just can't stare at the computer. Like I don't need to look at the screen the whole time. I don't have yeah. a camera the whole time for these really, really long, long meetings that were happening. Um, but I just mostly, I just need to know what's happening. So I need to listen. So I actually like crocheted <laughs> a huh, little like that's cool. character um, yes. while on this one call. I did a, like a whole like a whole little character on this call. Yeah. Um, it was like an all day thing. I made the whole thing. And honestly, I retained way more. Yeah. I yes. Definitely felt like I understood what was going on better. I was able to focus better and by the end of the day I was not like my brain was not melting in the same way I felt so much better um yeah so I just randomly did that and then I found this article and now I get why so <laughs> it's kind of interesting. oh I'm excited to hear that too because honestly that is the same for me that sometimes if I have not a separate cognitive activity I don't think that like if I'm like answering emails during a meeting I'm paying more attention that's definitely not true Um, but if I have some kind of an activity, like, um, sometimes I'll go on my walking desk or, um, even if there's like a sort of a mindless thing that like is also on the screen, like you can like watch like little like animations or something like not that have like words, but like any, like just something to like keep your brain in the space that it needs to be in to be thinking, but not distracted by something else too much you actually focus better I think because then otherwise your brain just like wanders to do some other things so there's like these like ocean like little animations and like uh especially during the pandemic I was like 
sometimes putting those on because I was like, I'd rather just look at the ocean than like, look at what's happening in this meeting. <laughs> it's just more like, it's more relaxing. It's, but like when I was looking at, it, I was listening better because mm-hmm. I, what my brain wasn't like, I'm bored and then wandering off to some other land. It was like staying yeah. focused. 100%. 100%. I would definitely recommend you try crocheting little creatures. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not artistic at all though. Oh, that's yeah. so cute. But what yeah. happens if you're also bad at making that? Maybe, you know what would probably be good? Like a mindfulness coloring book or something. Hmm. Yeah, that would work. Like something like, yeah. And I know you say you're not like creative and maybe crocheting is not the thing, but like, it's easy. Like they, it, I like use like a stupid little kit that like tells you like, do this, do this, do this, mm-hmm. do this. Like it's very, very specific. So like, you yeah, be fine. Um, but yeah, okay. like I think just something with your hands, something that's like, like you said, like where you're not thinking about like other words, right. You're yeah. not like doing that, but you're doing something else. Um, yeah. That makes it a little bit less boring, I think is helpful. And I, I totally buy that. And I am excited to know why, because now it gives me justification for what I previously thought was just a bad habit. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, so <laughs> I'll give you three takeaways and then we'll kind of talk about them a little bit in depth. And with that, I will get into why I think our random little tricks actually have helped us that we just stumbled upon. Um, so it's not gonna be quite clear in the takeaways, but we'll get there. So takeaway one, virtual meetings are more likely to cause passive fatigue versus mm. active fatigue so passive fatigue mm. is like drowsiness and active fatigue is like ex- like feeling f- exhausted okay so kind of those two different feelings that's interesting mm-hmm. takeaway two is that employees that have lower engagement on their job they're more likely to report feeling drowsy after virtual meetings um mm. but all employees including employees that have high engagement can have physical physiological indicators of fatigue so they may not report Mm. that they're as tired but their body is saying that they are interesting okay yeah that's very interesting so um so maybe like i don't know like denial or something (laughs) yeah i don't know or they just like (laughs) want to be engaged in their jobs they're like super excited about being engaged in their jobs they don't want to say that made them tired right that's what i mean like they're like not me yeah i'm i'm engaged maybe um, and then takeaway three is that drowsiness, so this passive fatigue, is associated with lower cognitive flexibility, which is like the ability to switch contacts or, you know, hmm. move and you're thinking a little bit, which kind of gets to what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it does. The, so that's interesting. So kind of like, I know you're going to talk more about it, but if you can get a change of scene or sort of switch around what you're doing, like you can make yourself shake some of that off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's like, because if you're drowsy, you're just not able to kind of shift context. And like you said, like after, you know, a long day of virtual meetings, you're kind of like, yeah, like you can't focus. It's Mm -hmm. because of that cognitive flexibility that's declined. So we'll talk about that in more depth and what that means exactly. But um, those are the top three takeaways from this paper. Um, So while we love remote work and virtual meetings are super important, there are things we need to consider 
if we have a lot of these virtual meetings and things that organizations need to do to kind of help make things a little bit more engaging. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited about that. And I'm curious off the bat, um, because you mentioned that, you know, there's these two different types, um, passive and active. Um, so I'm curious to hear more about that fatigue because I haven't heard of that before. Yeah. I think that's actually one of the more interesting parts of this paper for me, because a lot of times when you read papers around meeting fatigue, virtual or in person, it's really about exhaustion. It's really about that active fatigue and, you know, thinking like, oh, I'm just so stressed. I'm so tired, like physically tired, like super exhausted at the end of these days. But we haven't really talked about passive fatigue, which is a real thing. And it's something that um, actually, as I was reading, but it makes a lot of sense as to why it might be related to certain types of meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and this passive fatigue is basically like where you're feeling sleepy and drowsy and it comes from monotonous tasks. It comes from mm. like an underload of demand. So kind of like being bored versus yeah. exhaustion comes from too much, too much. Yeah. Like you're on or you're whatever. There's too much stuff going on. Right. Yep, I totally get that. So, yeah, that was pretty interesting. And their theory was like, well, you know, it obviously is likely to depend on what type of virtual meeting you're in, right? If you're talking Mm -hmm. a lot, if you're super engaged and it's like a, you know, a one-on-one call, that's not the same. But there's a lot of virtual meetings, and I'm sure you've been in them, where there's yeah. like 30 people on the call and, you know, maybe you chime in once in an hour or twice in an mm-hmm. hour and the rest of the time you're just listening. That is the very low workload yeah, right. meeting. Right. And that's why, you know, honestly, when walking desks and stuff like first started to get popular and I got my walking desk in like those kinds of meetings, those were the meetings where I was like, oh, well, this is perfect because like I don't really, it's I'm not presenting. I don't need to be like reading through documents or like, I'm just like absorbing information. But it's funny because I would pay much better attention when I was on the desk or the walking desk versus not, but people would make like comments about it. So there was like some like, just like, I feel like if you were like crocheting on camera, people would be like, Oh, like, are you crocheting? Like there's like a stigma against doing anything other than just like staring into the void of the meeting. Even if Mm -hmm. like, that's not the thing that helps you listen the best or pay attention the best. 100%. And I think that's honestly like a major thing that leaders need to think about when they're listening to this podcast or thinking about virtual meeting fatigue, because we need to make it more okay. Cause basically their whole theory hedged on the fact that virtual meetings can cause underload, which is like lack of workload because of things like a lack of physical activity in an in-person mm-hmm. meeting. You've walked around to get to the meeting. You maybe you're fidgeting more. Maybe you get up and have a snack that's in the room, right? If it's like a long mm-hmm. meeting, if you're at your desk, you're sitting there, you're at your desk, you feel like you have to stare at the screen, stare into the camera the whole time. So you're lacking yeah. that physical activity. You may have, less engagement and discussions because sometimes virtual meetings are there to be able to bring a lot of people in for information sharing. And so you're not as engaged. And then sometimes there's just boring meetings, right? And if they're Mm -hmm. monotonous and that's going to, you know, make you feel like, okay, why am I even here? And you're going to start stoning out, getting bored, et cetera. It's like all of these things can play into that. And some of them could happen face to face, but it's even worse virtually because 
you're just sitting there alone in a room. You can't even like look yeah. over at like Susan next to you and be like, wow, this sucks, right? You have you're right. just alone and it's it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wonder, I know they're not studying this here, and this is maybe like a little bit more of like a nefarious take, but we know from the research on counterproductive work behaviors that when people are resentful or feel like they're being asked to do something that's unfair or that they feel like the company is putting them in a situation that they don't like, that they're more likely to do counterproductive stuff like time theft or, you know, trying to get done other tasks while um, they're supposed to be doing something else or kind of cutting corners, whatever. And I do wonder also if people are in these meetings and they're feeling like, oh, the expectation is that I'm going to be in this meeting, even though I don't really need to be in this meeting. And I don't actually like enjoy what we're doing in this meeting or like, I don't even really need to be on. And they're forcing me to put my camera on and I have to be looking a certain way or whatever that there's like this other thing of like, well, if they're going to make me do that, then I'm going to do what I can to, to reclaim this time for stuff I want to do secretly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I almost wonder if it also like bothers people that there's a forced kind of component to it instead of saying, you know, people are going to be sitting for a long time. It's perfectly fine to turn off your camera, get up, walk around, um, you know, do some kind of, uh, you know, low level activity that helps you to remain engaged. Like that there's not more of an expectation that that's something you're allowed to do might also underlyingly make people feel mad. Yeah. I think there's something to that for sure. Like, I can totally see people being frustrated. Like, why am I here if I'm just listening and it's like seven hours long? I don't know. I'm just making up right. a yeah. wild amount of time. But like what people can get frustrated and upset about that. It's like it feels like their time is being wasted when they probably have other priorities as well. So I think there's something about intentionality of meetings. And we've talked about this before. Yeah. That like being super intentional about who's in the meeting and why are they there and what is their purpose. And even like outlining that, like if the purpose is that you need to be absorbing some of this information because it's going to be relevant to something later, that's fine. Like people mm -hmm. can be there just to listen. Like that happens. And sometimes it's really important. And like, I know I've been yeah. to plenty of meetings where I have to sit there and listen for like five hours, but what I was listening to is going to have an impact on my overall work right. or on my career trajectory or whatever. So like, yeah, that can be really important. But then to your point, like you are here for listening. That is your role. Therefore you can have your camera off and feel free to right. like, move about or, you know, whatever crochet, a little creature, whatever you're going to do. Yeah. Um, I think being able to have a little bit of flexibility to make it easier can go a long way because one yeah. that person's then going to get more out of it. But also two, like you said, maybe that like, resentfulness is not going to come up yeah like let me have a let me disconnect in a healthy way that's actually going to help everyone involved and trust that I'm still listening like I also think that's like yeah a little piece of it too um so that's really fascinating right. yeah. I did not I never heard of this uh passive fatigue but it makes a ton of sense because that is like I think probably everyone listening who's been in a bunch of virtual meetings can agree like by the end of a day when you've been in a bunch of those drowsiness is the general feeling of just like you kind of start to feel a little bit like a zombie. Right. Exactly. Like when I read this, I definitely felt like it spoke to me because there are moments where, you know, we have a lot of back-to-back -back meetings where you're super engaged that I feel more of that exhaustion. But then when I have mm -hmm. a lot of back-to-back -back meetings where I'm not as engaged and I'm more of an observer, I 
I kept describing it as like my brain is melting. And then when they said drowsiness mm-hmm. and sleepiness, I was like, oh yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you can see like, you know, there's so many jokes, memes, like TikTok videos about virtual meetings and like, and meetings in general, right? Uh, where you know that there's some level of like boredom, frustration, um, et cetera, that people are having um, in these meetings. And then you can also see just like, you know, as people are trying to do things, even if you just think about what people look like in the camera when you're paying attention, like when you're looking around in the virtual room and what people's expressions look like, like I would say drowsy characterizes not only how I think I feel, but it also characterizes how if you look around the Zoom room after people have been in meetings all day, like that's also the vibe that you get from other people. Like everyone in this meeting is just kind of zapped of energy. Um, So yeah, I think that that is super interesting. Yeah, totally. And um, the thing I'll add here too is like just kind of going into the findings a little bit more, you know, like I mentioned earlier, they also looked at um, not just self-reported fatigue, but also looked at heart rate variability and Mm -hmm. like we're measuring people's heart rate and being able to see like, is this active or passive fatigue based on the way that their body was reacting to it too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's super interesting because you do see uh, that even for people that, you know, say they're engaged at work, they, they still saw this kind of passive fatigue in their Mm -hmm. body compared to, you know, when they're more actively involved in a meeting where they might not have that. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a, yeah, it's not just about your self-report here. It's actually, we looked at the physiology, which is super interesting. Yeah, that is super interesting. It's like, and it's also like, you're lying to yourself. Like, not that, I mean, I'm sure people are just like, no, like, I'm engaged. I like my job. And generally, that's probably true. But even if you like your job and when you reflect on, because I'm sure these engagement questions aren't like, were you engaged today at 2.30 p.m. in this particular meeting? It's like, oh, are you engaged mm-hmm. in your job in general? And people are like, oh, yeah, I liked it. I like my job. Like, generally, I think it's great. But that doesn't mean that if you're subjected to these long meetings where, um, you know, you're virtual and you're immune to these same impacts. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of like when you think about how you structure meetings and what you do with meetings to like help kind of these challenges, you really want to think about how to keep the meetings engaging, right? Like how do you keep people Mm -hmm. engaged in the meeting? How do you have people like doing things that might be more interesting or like topics that are of interest to people Mm -hmm. you know if it's really not a topic that person is a lot of intrinsic motivation for they're not going to be able to engage in even just the listening component the same way Mm -hmm. and so in those cases like we talked about like maybe there's other ways like just some physical activity during the meeting or whatever that can help Um, or Again, maybe you reevaluate who's in those meetings. And if this is really not relevant to somebody and seems super boring, maybe they don't need to be there. And like, that's okay. Like we don't need everybody there all the time. Yeah. And it's also interesting because I think we put a lot of time and energy into thinking about how to structure certain forms of communications and organizations so that they're engaging and people take as much away from it as possible. And, you know, if you think about like prepping for a training or, you know, this is, not relevant to everybody, but you think about how much time goes into people premeditating how to teach people things like classes. And that has relationship to training too. If you 
structured those kinds of opportunities the same way that people just structure meetings, however, you would be like, well, that was not a good use of that time. Like we could structure that so much better so that people retain things and we actually get people to participate and we get as much idea sharing as possible. And we know all those things happen more when you incorporate certain types of activities or dialogue or you use certain certain participation tactics. And we know all that stuff helps people to get engaged and boost their feelings of, you know, being able to share their ideas, whatever. But when it comes to meetings, we just sort of act like all those things that we know about what actually helps people to be able to effectively absorb and share information. We just don't use any of that for meetings. Mm -hmm. I think it's a huge miss. You're right. Like we don't use those tactics in meetings in the same way. And I know that it's more of a lift. I think that's what Mm -hmm. it really comes down to, right? It's like, if I'm sending out a communication to my entire company, I'm going to spend time to like write it and go through that whole process. But if I'm having a meeting with like 10 people in my department, am I going to take the day or the two days or three days to plan it, to make it engaging? That's where you tend to lose people. And I think that's a miss. Like I think we need to... I mean, in general, I could say this a million times. I think we need to think about workloads and priorities and things like that in general, at like organizations, regardless of meetings. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to meetings, like if you have appropriate workload and you've been able to kind of create an environment where, you know, not everything's on fire all the time, then you could, you know, encourage this behavior and really take meetings that are not just like quick one-on-ones and check-ins to create some planning. Um, Yeah. But we just have to actually like actively do that and set aside time for that and know that that's part of the process. Yeah. And it may not be that, you know, you need to rework the entire thing. Maybe if more research or or we spent some more time trying to think about how we can relate what we already know to this arena it might not even take that much extra time and effort. You know what I mean? To get it like, yeah. you might you might just be able to do some quick like participation tactics and um, encourage people to like get up and move around halfway through the meeting. You know what I mean? Like it might not even be that wild to keep people like even a little bit more engaged. Yeah, I think you're right with that for sure. And I think we need to like get started. I think that's the hardest part is like, just do it, do it. And Mm -hmm. then you're going to get used to it. And so the next meetings are going to be easier to do that way. Right. Right. It's it's like, you have to kind of get in the habit. And that's always the hardest part is like, let's start. This one is going to take us a little more prep time to think through how we want to do this. But then the next meeting and the meeting after that is going to be easier and quicker to prep because we've already thought through a lot of this. So I think there's kind of an element of like taking a pause and really starting it properly um, before we kind of continue in our typical day to day. Um, so I think that piece is important. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. So I want to talk a little bit about cognitive flexibility now. So we know if you are in these virtual meetings that are super not engaging and you get into passive fatigue, which basically means you're really drowsy. Um, what does it matter? Right. Obviously it sucks if you're the person that's drowsy, like you are having Mm -hmm. a hard time getting through your day. It feels awful, but like, how does that actually impact your organization and why should companies care? And the thing that's interesting here is they did look at how drowsiness impacts cognitive flexibility. And again, Mm -hmm. cognitive flexibility is 
like super important. It basically is like your ability to change the way you're thinking, like your mode of thinking, your topic, um, being able to process multiple concepts at the same time, like, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of going through that switch from one meeting to the next or from one task to the next or being able to answer this email about topic A in the middle of, you know, working on topic C. Like you could be, you know, that happens. You have to do that. You have mm-hmm. to switch a lot at work and you can't do that effectively when you're drowsy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there is like a monetary impact on this for companies exactly. that they should be worried about. Exactly. So it's going to impair your task performance. You're not going to do as well on the job. Um, you're likely to, you know, the meetings that the next meeting that you have is going to be less effective because you're not able to necessarily switch as easily mm-hmm. to that point. I can tell you an ex- from experience, like there's been so many times I've been on meetings with somebody that has gone through this like has had a lot of meetings where they clearly are in Mm -hmm. this like passive fatigue phase and how much longer it takes them to process what I'm saying or to get to where Mm -hmm. we are than yep before like you know what I mean than what I'm used to them being and I'm just like huh like okay they had a really rough day I have to like take six steps back and like kind of explain myself more slowly and I you know so I have to then adjust so then like now we're all adjusting because this person is really drowsy and you know, it's not their fault, but that obviously slows down the meeting, the speed of the meeting, what we can get through all of that. Um, because they were in all these awful meetings and I'm sure I've been in the same boat, but, um, yeah, it's, it can be really, really rough. Yeah. I see a lot of people asking, like, can you repeat that again? Like, I feel like that's something that happens where like the person's Mm -hmm. like not processing as well. And I think it's because you're like throwing new information at them and their brains just like slower to take it on. Um, like you're saying, well, that's very interesting. Yeah. And they actually like, not in this specific study, but generally speaking, when they look at passive fatigue, people that are in that state when they're feeling drowsy or sleepy, they actually tend to avoid activities that require a lot of effort. So mm. that also can be a problem, right? If like you have something big that you need to work on, but you come out of a bunch mm-hmm. of meetings and you're feeling drowsy. And then now you're like, oh, I have to get this thing done, but I'm going to try. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow morning. Maybe I'll do it the next yeah. day. And you see yep. this all the time too, where like, you know, somebody says, okay, I'm going to send this one, I'm going to send this one email at the end of my work day with all the, after all these meetings. And then they keep putting that one thing off. Yeah. I mean, it's because mm-hmm. they just haven't had a chance to recover and they're yeah. drowsy and they can't, they can't switch into that phase. Yeah. Yeah. I think about this a lot with writing because I feel like if I don't get it out of the way in the beginning of the day, Then as the day goes on, if I have a bunch of stuff that I have to do, like by the end of the day, it's really hard for me to reset and write. And I also think uh, like a nap can sometimes help if I take a quick nap when I wake up. But But if I don't do that or if I don't have time to take a nap, there are a lot of days where I'm like, you know, I had intended to write something and it's just not going to happen because the cognitive I can and I'll switch stuff around. So if there's more administrative type stuff or other kinds of tasks that I was supposed to do on different days, I'll like recalibrate that to do it then because I just know that I'm not going to be able to think my way through what I need to do. So it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's, that's what it is, is like you need the brain space. 
Exactly. Yeah. You need that space. You need to be able to think more clearly and you can't do that when you're feeling drowsy. So I think like the big takeaways here are, you know, as a leader in an organization, you need to think about a couple things like intentionally who's in your meetings, making sure that there's good practice within the company on making meetings very intentional. Mm -hmm. There's good practice in making them engaging. But there's also needs to be leeway that if there's an information receiving type of meeting where people are not needing to engage or shouldn't be engaging or what have you, that you're allowing flexibility in how they handle that so that they're not so bored so that they can walk around and do it or they can, you know, I don't know, like I said, crochet or whatever. And it's yeah. not a bad thing to have your camera off or to move around to keep yourself still immersed in that conversation Mm -hmm. um so I think that those are all things that leaders need to be considering and then thinking about like obviously we know the volume of meetings all that is relevant here too yeah absolutely yeah I think just more normalization of people being able to focus on a meeting better perhaps when they have some other way of concentrating their brain or forcing their brain. It's almost like, um, you know, when they talk about like monkey mind and meditation and like, you have to like get yourself on like a mantra or like one point that you're thinking about or whatever, it's kind of like your brain starts bouncing around and some of these activities help you to give something for your brain to do. That's not the thing that you've been doing, which is staring at a screen. And that allows you to sort of get rid of some of the baggage that comes along with that activity so that then you can actually do Mm -hmm. better some of the things that you need to do. So I think like normalizing that, not calling people out for, you know, taking time to actually help themselves to listen better and, and also trusting that people know what they need to do. Like I'm, I'm doing this because I am recognizing that it's helping me not because I'm trying to do something wrong. Yeah. And I think leaders can set the example too. Cause like, I think you're right. Like trusting people to know that what can, what they can do to help themselves in these situations, but sometimes they don't know. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I went through, like I said, multiple weeks of long meetings where I was feeling all mushy, but then I was like, you know what, I'm going to whip out this little crochet thing and I can sit there, I can listen, but then I'm still like actively doing something else too. That's mm-hmm. not detracting, right? Like I'm, like you said, not answering emails or whatever, but like still yeah. being able to listen, truly listen. And then I learned, I was like, wow, this actually really, really helped. And now yeah. it's going to be my go-to. Um, but yeah. I didn't know that. And so if leaders can model these behaviors or figure it out mm-hmm. themselves or even talk to their people about, um, you know, the experiments they're doing to figure out what that might look like for them can help other people start thinking about it too. So I think that's also a really crucial step because otherwise people won't know. People may not know and they'll just sit there and their brains will melt and it will never be good for anybody. (laughs) Yeah. So if you feel like a zombie and you have a melted brain, try to think of some non-distracting but non-staring into the void activity to do and see if it helps you too. I think this is like a good tip. And if you're a leader... And you find what that activity is for you. Tell people about it and encourage them to find theirs also. Yes, yes. I think it would be great. Just change the culture around it. Because like I said at the beginning of this, you know, it was my big secret that I crocheted this little bee. But yeah. it shouldn't have to be a secret. It should be <laughs> yeah, right. fine that I crocheted a little bee while listening and like fully absorbing this meeting. Right. 
Right. Um, yeah. So you were still very much means- working, even though you were deviantly creating a bee. <laughs> Such deviance. <laughs> well, this is awesome. Thank you so much for reading this article. And uh, I learned a lot from it. Yeah, hopefully all of our dear listeners, you did too. If you have any questions for us, you can always email us at contact at workerbeing.com. Reach out if you think that some of these conversations would be helpful to bring to your organization. We're always happy to help um, and follow along on LinkedIn as we continue to share all of our great research and tips there too. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.